This is the Three Songs Podcast. That's right. Bob, Mike. It's episode 119. That's 119 now. That's right. And special guest, Tracy Wilson. Yeah. Three Songs. That's right. Episode 119. May 16th, 2020, Three Songs Podcast, Mike Hogan, Bob Nastanovich, as usual, and here tonight with a special guest, Tracy Wilson. Welcome, Tracy. Cheers, gentlemen. Thanks so much for having me. One of the um, coolest people in the very cool city of Richmond, Virginia. Uh Oh, there's so many good people here. Yeah, but you're you're tops, you know. (laughs) That's why I keep you around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> How long? So I know you guys are good friends. How long have you guys known each other? I mean, formally for about six years, I think. Yeah. I mean, I like we we right? have a we have a lot of mutual friends from the last thirty years of our lives. Um, but it's kind of interesting. Um, my friend Lorraine in Richmond, um, who when I'm visiting my mother there during the holiday season, she said, "You got to go see this band, Positive No," and that's that was the intro. That was. Tracy's uh, band that actually recently ended, um, great band, and um, we'll talk about that. She and her husband, and, and then a re- revolving cast of bass players and drummers. Um, <laughs> um, and I went and saw them, and Tracy, Kenny, and myself became you know it was one of those great things that happens like you know that kind of instant friendship thing like so much in common, a lot of mutual friends, a lot of like times where we easily could have crossed paths but we didn't and i think you know thinking about it um i left new york um in 93 and that's when her yeah her first band dahlia seed um was kind of like kicking off so if i'd stayed in hoboken i think we probably would have become friends then and um, and did you when did you work at pure platters what year did you work at pure platters the famous record store in hoboken that was like 95, 96. Mm. So I hardly, I was gone. I was in Louisville. So I hardly ever, other, otherwise it would have been nice to finally um, know somebody at Pure Platters who was like um, ostensibly friendly as opposed to the air, <laughs> which, and the air in which I shopped there in which you had to gingerly move around. I can't even, I can't even imagine Pure Platters as I knew it with somebody like Tracy in there. Because like Tracy is like a, a record store person, but not, not, the way I think of them as a teenager and a young man, like, you know, even like Bob Schick from Monterey is a mutual friend of ours. Um, Bob was scary behind the counter and like uh, playing on in Richmond where I, where I think Tracy still shops. Indeed. Um, Bob is still there as well. Yeah. And like he was just menacing back then, but that was like his honor roll persona. And um, it's, it's interesting because he's like, really one of the nicest people I've ever known. But like <laughs> back when I was like 15 and 16, he was terrifying. So, and same thing with pure platters. They like kind of, they judge, like it's one of those record stores you go in, you got to go in because their inventory was insane and you could get everything there and they got everything. It, was, it really was the best record store in the New York City, New York City metropolitan area for at least 10 years. And, sure, yeah. and so you had to go in there, but like generally the eight to 10 people, who worked there, several of whom I can, can name, um, <laughs> either 
either hated us or you know that you know that feeling mike you've had to experience in your life where like you're almost scared to put what you want to buy on the counter mm-hmm. sure for fear of being judged in fact one of the songs i'm playing tonight i'll get to like was one of those records like um you're just gonna be like what a dork he's like you feel like they're saying what a dork he's buying this you know like and I remember working at a record store. I worked at the Plan Nine in Charlottesville, and like Tracy, I kind of adopted this like incredibly friendly stance, which was kind of like so unrecord store like. But <laughs> I mean, I um, still I have pen pals and and people I'm friends with through social media that I've known through every record store I've ever worked with. Like I, I love talking to people about records, and I love staying in touch with them, and still talking about records. It's I don't know. There's no room for, for me at least, to be judgy. Like the idea of a good record is so ridiculous because it's so about taste and what you know and what you're exposed to. So um, I don't know. I think about like living in Hoboken and knowing like the realm that pavement kind of rolled in. And on the sort of flip side to that, as like a fresh out of high school terrified kid, when you guys would roll into parties, it was like me being in the kiddie pool and these like grown ups who were really good at partying and being super boisterous. Like it's a very intimidating party situation. So that that's my idea of pavement at parties in Hoboken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and of course David was with us too. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and so um, but so you grew up. What town did you grow up in? In Jersey. I grew up in Saddle River, so Bergen County, northern New Jersey, just like, I don't know, 35 minutes outside of New York City. And you moved to Hoboken when? Pretty much the day I graduated from high school. (laughs) So uh, I wanted out immediately. Pretty much the first day I got my driver's license, I drove to Pier Platters to buy records and then went to Maxwell's for a show. So um, I knew that Hoboken was where I wanted to be. Even though I really loved New York City, like there was just something about what was happening in Hoboken that was really special to me. Oh, same, same. Like, I mean, at first I lived in Jersey City, then Hoboken. It infinitely made more appeal because, of course, we could go into New York City whenever we wanted. But like, Hoboken was so much uh, more homey and more relaxing. Even though, like, you know, it was a crowded city, but like back then it was you know, really delightful. And you were there until when? Like, you were there for a long time. When did you leave? Well, so I arrived in 1990 and was there until, uh, like, 93 or 94. I always forget, ironically, like, and sadly, the year I moved to Seattle is pretty much a couple months before Kurt Cobain killed himself. So I basically moved to Seattle, like, the month grunge died. And I can't remember if that's 93 or 94. So I was really only in Hoboken for a couple of years, and then I lived in Jersey City, which they called at that point Jersey City Heights or Hoboken Heights. Yeah, same. Is... Yeah, that's, I, yeah, Jersey City Heights where I live, Palisade Avenue. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I lived across from the, the park. I don't remember what the number was. I lived right it's across a... from the park, too. I lived at 491, right across from the bus stop. That's weird. <laughs> uh, it was like an old funeral home. Huh, I'll been... show you a picture of my building. <laughs> I guarantee Holy was, smokes. Yeah, I liked it up there, but that was our first place. And, like, we made the upward swing, went down to Hoboken. But, like, let's really quickly talk about Dahlia Seed. Was that, like, your first band? It was. And, wait, one more fun fact. Born Against, also the hardcore band, lived 
like five blocks down the street from us on the same street in Palisades Avenue. So were you friends with them? I was. Um, yeah. I kind of I rolled into the the like hardcore emo scene at that point as well. So I was like indie rocker by day, but I also really liked a lot of other genres. So um, anyway, yes, Dahlia Seed, my first band. <laughs> um, I answered an ad in like the East Coast Rocker that somebody Whoa. put in and. Um, it ended up not being the band I tried out for, but friends of theirs showed up because they were curious to see who would answer an ad that talked about, like, Black Sabbath and Nancy Sinatra. They're like, okay, so <laughs> who's this person that lives in our general area code that would want to be in this kind of band? And insane. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea. How, I'd never been in a band and sung before. It was just like, I was a maniac record collector, and I love going Still to shows. Still is. So. I mean, like... Yeah, I, I am all right here. <laughs> if you walk into like Tracy and Kenny's house, where I've had the pleasure of walking in a handful of times, Mike, it's one of these mind-blowing houses, like that is like just a study in like record collecting and music curation. Like, I mean, every single room in the house has like incredibly well-organized records. Like, um, and of course, like now, like. Her new, uh, her new, Tracy's new venture is something called Turntable Report. We'll talk about that after we play a Dahlia Seed song. Um, so Dahlia Seed was like a pretty formidable band in the mid-90s. So like 1991-ish, I guess, is when we sort of really got rolling. Um, I guess we were one of the few bands that had a woman in it that was heavy, so it wasn't quite hardcore, it wasn't quite indie rock. And uh, we didn't really fit in, so we'd play like weird indie rock and metal hardcore show bills. Um, but then, of course, you know, with by the end of the '90s, there was a gajillion bands doing that sort of general style, but not so much when we first started. Well, I want to play wrote, a song. Did you write all your own lyrics? Yes. Although when I first started, I think our guitar player Chris Kelly had written a handful of them, but I pretty much took over. I'd had all these notebooks of poems and things, so um, I took over the lyrical duty, and then he never wrote any of the vocal melodies. All those were mine. And then maybe within a year, I was playing guitar and writing, like, I don't know, a quarter or a third of the songs, too. Right. Well, but that came one. a little later. Yay! So which yeah. one are you going to play? Well, I picked... I we Bob and I each picked a song, um, and oh, we're wow. going to let you decide. Um, oh, we, the first album, we'll let you decide which one you'd rather hear. Yeah, uh, okay. I picked... We won't even tell you what he picked and what I picked. Okay. You, you know, that'll be fun. Well, okay. Well, uh, your choice is between Catholic Dress or Cry Chord. Okay, I'm going to pick Cry Chord, okay. just because that's one Mike that wins! I Mike wins! <laughs> Mike has won $100. He won $100. <laughs> Catholic Dress is the one song I didn't write. Oh, well, there you go. Thanks, Here you go. Cry Chord from... Um, I lost another 100. Valentine Kids uh, Litter. Dahlia Seed and, and Mr. Ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
There you go. It's a rocker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Tree people, archers of love, polvo. That those are all of my guitar heroes. I That's could, what I was trying to do. I could hear it. I love that guitar. Man, I the tree people was pretty much why I wanted to learn how to play guitar. Wow. Yeah, I loved the tree people. You know, and the, you love you love you you love playing live. You know, it's it's something I grew into. It, it was when I first started, I was um, super stressed about it, and I would pull at my arms and not know I was pulling at my arms. And so by the end of shows, I'd be covered in blood. Really? Which Whoa. Pe- people seem to really like, but then like, <laughs> I'm also it's somebody... grimly fiendish. Yeah. So I was like... <laughs> like People were a little bit scared of me, so after shows, like, I'd walk through a crowd and, like, the sea would separate a little bit. They'd be and like, yeah, like, this is, like, she's properly crazy. Yeah, like, no, I'm really nice. I'm just <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, I know, but, like, you know, <laughs> that's the irony of it. It's like, you know, you are really nice, but, like, yeah, I mean, it's amazing for me to people think of people being scared of you. Yes, but on stage, <laughs> I am a different person that yells a lot, I guess. Yeah, yeah, when I, yeah, I, I mean, I... Positive though was positive though was like a you know a different vibe and you know Kenny's guitar has a lot to do with that. I mean like you know Kenny is an an excellent guitarist, but he's kind of more from like he's harsh and angular and like uh, you know and clear and like it's like a different kind of. There's no grunge to it really. Like no, I think it's we. We definitely worked very hard over the last 10 years to focus on space. So yeah. it, it was about listening. Like I, maybe that's part of what being a for us a couple in a band is about, but just not trying to step over each other's toes, but really sort of having a conversation between guitar, bass, and vocals. And a lot of time they didn't, they would interact, but not in the way that a band would, where like everybody was on top of each other at the same time. It wasn't a pile on. And not right. the band Pylon, but like Pile, pile. On. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And both these bands toured a lot. I mean, both these bands like toured regionally. And like, of course, in the case of Diocese, I think you guys went all over we did, North America. We right? did one U.S. tour with Diocese in 96. Mm-hmm. And then we promptly, like a lot of bands, after they spent six weeks in a van with each other, we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tough test, isn't it? It is really hard. I don't know, <laughs> especially in your case, because you, you know, you know, you were representing your gender, um, right? I think I saw is, like four women in like that entire time. It was yeah, and lots, I of definitely... dudes, lots of dudage, lots of dudage. Yeah, <laughs> definitely no ladies on the bills. Like it was a very male centric scene. That's for sure. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. So, anyways, like, tell, tell us real quick uh, her new venture, like um, the band. I guess you know, and it, uh, you know, this is an interesting thing with bands. Like, Positive No kind of like decided after their most recent album to like kind of stop being a band. And Tracy is like um, just what I'd call like a feverish, like uh, vinyl like enthusiast. Like, like I mentioned before about her house and, and Kenny and their relationship, and like. DJing, she de- she's an amazing DJ. She is she and whoever she DJs with, with her son, <laughs> no matter what it is, like I don't even know how the hell they choose. Because like when I go to DJ, like 
you know, I know how to throw 40 records in a bag, but I'm not looking at like 6,000 records. I mean, <laughs> no, we definitely need like a theme to make it a little easier to decide what we're going to pick when we DJ. It's, mm. um, but I, I guess with turntable report. Um, yeah, turntable report. So that's our new venture. Like her new venture so is turntable report. We knew Positive No was kind of wrapping up. Uh, we had band members that weren't really able to tour as often. And I mean, timing-wise, we're pretty fortunate because I think about had we had spent the money to press a record and book a tour, we wouldn't be able to tour right now. Right. And we wouldn't be able to help sell those records through touring. And they, they both have real jobs. True. So you know, that's the other thing too. So like, you know, you know, if you, if you, you know, you got to work around the restrictions of having a nine to five, essentially. For sure. And I guess ironically, if there was a time for a band to call it quits, February 1st was a pretty good decision. We couldn't have guessed where things would turn, but um, on my own, I've always obsessively kept up with new music from working at record stores and then working at music distributors, you know, Paying attention to what comes out every week is just a habit I haven't really been able to shake. So, Which is amazing because I shook it. <laughs> I mean, I did it I, I for think, like many years too, but you, you've never shaken it. Like in like no, it's like a weird me, OCD like, thing. I don't know. Well, I think I think it's like your you know it's your sports and your television and like it is like there's very few people I know who like I can say like as far as I can tell, like music is like ninety percent plus of like what you think about and do true yeah which I, which is like i mean i've got i'm a gambling addict and like you know my, we might you know like i think mike's actually like more like you than me like although he's worked in horse racing too and stuff and but basically like you do your job and then like you know following you on social media like music's like your game it really yeah. is. It's yeah. like bands are my sports teams, but like mm-hmm. I don't have one favorite. I'm kind of rooting everybody on. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. really like mm-hmm. to write mean reviews. Like I just, I love being cheerleaders for underdogs. I've never been interested in top 40 mainstream kind of stuff. My, my personal thrill is supporting smaller bands and finding the right homes for or like the right ears that I know would appreciate them. And yeah, I mean, if I, you're looking for a source, like a source, of like, I mean, I, you know, when I contact, you know, when I'm in touch with Tracy on a regular basis, like, she'll always say, like, you should check out this and you should check out this, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, which is beautiful, a beautiful thing, Mike, like, uh, you know, she's turned me on to like at least 15 things in the last five years that I probably would have never heard, you know, like, um, it's the whole point of this show, too. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so like Tracy, like, so Tracy does it with now she's doing this thing, this bi monthly thing called the Turntable Report. Tell us what that is. So I'm tracking music every day, and every time I like something, I save it to a playlist, or I write it down, or I screen shoot it if it's not something I can move into a Spotify playlist. And then I collect all of my very favorite things uh, in a tiny letter email blast that goes out every other week to a couple hundred people. And um, it's just like maybe two to five sentences about each record. Like as a busy adult, I don't have the, the time and energy to write massive reviews. So they're just like little snapshots about things that I'm, I'm really excited about. And I was sort of doing that for myself, but once how do you access it? How do you how, how do you join up? 
Uh, so there's just like a, a tiny letter email, like uh, you sign up for it through tiny letter. And I should know the address by heart, but I don't. <laughs> but so you, you, I can will... go to, you can go to at Turntable Report <laughs> on Twitter, right? And like Correct. figure it out from there. Yeah. So go, go to at Turntable Report on Twitter and then you can you can hook up with Tracy's scene. <laughs> That's, I, I will I, sign up right now. Yeah. One, one woman who's truly a, a record addict, but at least I feel less guilty about it when I'm sharing the wealth with others. So, and I'm, I'm looking at like radio station playlists. I'm looking at record store emails. I'm following bands pretty much because my whole life has been music. All of my friends, that's all they talk about. So they're an amazing source of information. So people like both of you, when you're really excited about something, I take note and I check it out. And so I try to make a greatest hits of that every other week and share it with everybody else. So, so you would never consider yourself like you obviously could have been a rock critic, but you you like have never chosen that path. No, I, I've definitely I've written for a lot of different magazines and newspapers. There was like the New York Press. Yeah. That was sort of like the competing paper to the Village Voice. I did music reviews for a couple of years for them. Uh, I did Paper Magazine, Black Book for a little while, uh, like a bunch of fanzines. Uh, I had a music blog and then uh, under a secret identity, I reviewed Pitchfork reviews for a really long time. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know and that. And that, that was sort of like, it grew into a terrifyingly like popular thing that I wasn't quite expecting. But yeah. at the at Pitchfork's peak, a lot of people didn't like them. So I guess it shouldn't be all that surprising that people came to the site that kind of poked fun at them every day. And I had like right. a pretty big writing staff of like i don't know 10 different people at some point so i did just not really under my name always right right write about music so it, i mean I, I just i don't really even consider myself like i don't i am a musician but i wouldn't call myself that i'm a writer Same. but i would call Same. myself that i'm just like Same. i'm just a music fan that's right that's kind of what i feel most comfortable identifying myself as Oh, and then it hit us with your first shot tonight on Three Songs Pod. Well, for, first I want to say, Tracy doesn't remember the, the URL, but I'll, I found it. It's tinyletter.com <laughs> slash turntable report. So sign up. I just signed up. So Say it again. Say it again. Tinyletter.com slash turntable report. You're the best. Thanks for being a responsible <laughs> adult that I am not capable of doing. Well, I know self promotion no, is hard for all of us. So, um, <laughs> what do you? What do you? What are you going to start with? So my first song is going to be Charlotte Leslie, and it's Le Fille C'est Fait, which is a cover of the Capitals, the American band. Uh, we got a thing that's in a groove. Um, do you want me to tell you why I picked it before or after? Um, Your choice. Well, we'll play yeah. it. Let's play it. Okay. Okay. Just just give us a sense. What what era is this? So it's right? 1967, and it's a genre of music that we call yeah yeah. So mm -hmm. it's French, uh, English beat influenced, and even though it's uh, very Beatles esque, uh, in a lot of cases these were French teenage girls trying to be both little girl like but also sexy so it's Franz Hall was run right that Franz Franz Hall exactly yeah. yeah Francois Hardy so, 
it's a very confusing mix of little girl and very adult sexy. Right, right. So uh, Charlotte Leslie, and you pr- pronounce it in French because my French is horrible. Les filles, c'est fait. <laughs> okay, here we go. Do you, do you speak French or do you speak French just because you're such a French music enthusiast? Uh, I took French for six years. In no, there you go. You speak French. So, yeah, you, je, so you can speak French. Je parle French. un peu, mais pas bien. Yeah, yeah. I speak a little, but not great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I took Spanish, so uh, that's the closest I get. <laughs> I speak, I speak um, racetrack Spanish, which means, uh, which equals um, English very loud. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, let's play uh let's play Charlotte Leslie. I love yeah, the they're gonna really dance, they're gonna dance. Like, you know, the thing is like it's amazing to DJ something like that, like 
see no one dance. I mean, right, like, right, oh. right. Yeah. I love the growl she does mid-song. The oh, percussion's amazing, and yeah. that fuzz guitar too. Everything about that song just makes my heart swell. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. Uh, so I picked that one because when I was working at Pier Platters in the '90s, my boyfriend at the time worked at X Girl, which was Kim Gordon's clothing store. Sure. In, in the village, and or I guess Soho, and she, I guess from maybe a, a Sonic Youth tour, had brought back a, a videotape of all this different Scopatone Yaya Girl videos, right. and they would play them on a VHS in the store of this little TV, and so I was waiting for my boyfriend to get off work, I would just sort of sit on a bench and watch the little TV. And I, I fell in love with this French music. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know Yeah Yeah Girl was a genre. And then uh, I went to a WFMU record fair and sort of asked around at some people and said, who here, do you know anybody who might have this kind of music? I got directed to a guy from Montreal who was at the time making these bootleg CDs and uh, it was all like the rarest of rare. I mean, some of these records now go for like five hundred to six hundred dollars. Some wow. of them not um, cheap. Never reissued. No, not cheap. Crazy expensive. So these CD compilations, when I was like, you know, twenty three, were like the only way I could get some of this music. So uh, that uh, that song was like, I think maybe the one of the first tracks on the first compilation I bought. And it just, it completely blew my mind, and I've been collecting that genre ever since. Um, I still can't really afford to do it, but <laughs> here and there, I, I buy what I can. They've been reissuing LPs over the years, which is great, and like, Third Man just did three Frost Gall reissue LPs, which is awesome. Um, cool. But it's just a genre I love so much. Yeah, That's great. I mean, I can understand why. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. like it's a trips and drab genre for me. So, like your knowledge of it is like eighty times more than mine. So, <laughs> right. but I mean, like you know, yeah, I can, I can, I can see your point. Um, I wish I had more of it, but like at the same time, I can always rely on you to hook me up with it. <laughs> I got, I got you covered, Bob. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that that's a that's a good way to get the show started. So, thank you. Um, and I'll I'll go next. I'll play something that's pretty current. Um, this is a band from from the UK. I think they're from London. Uh, all women. Uh, they're called Trash Kit, and they um, the guitarist is a woman named Rachel Ags. She's in a band called Shopping. I think I've played Shopping on the show before. Oh yeah, Brighton band. They're great. Yeah. Um, so really, you know, similar. Um, you know, all women punk. I think their inspirations, you know, are like X-ray specs and the raincoats. And um, but I love her guitar style because it's kind of more percussive and doesn't really sound like your typical post-punk, edgy, angular stuff. Um, no, definitely Afropop. Do you do you know? Are you familiar with Trash Kit? I am a huge fan. And oh, good. Rachel sort of drives me crazy because. It's like okay, you have one amazing band, but no, right, you have right. You have to have three. Two, three. So yeah. you have Trash Kit, <laughs> Sacred Paws, mm. and Shopping. Like leave something for the rest of us. I didn't Come realize on. she was in Sacred Paws too. That's amazing. Just All like right. the amount, like that whole family tree of artists is crazy talented. It's 
and I love them all. It's really, I, I don't think I could say which one I like the best because they're all freaking fantastic. Good. Well, I'm glad you like them. Bob, have you heard any trash kit before? Or is this new to you? No, but I've only heard shopping. Okay. Well, here you go. Check this oh, out. This is, this is from their 2019 LP called Horizon, and the song is called Traffic Lights. I'm going to mute so I can dance in my, my room. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
We playing time, not listening. Your music inside my body, in my heart and my head. <laughs> so, Tracy, I thought I might play something that you didn't know and turn you on to it. But of course, I should have known you would have known tra- <laughs> uh, uh, Trash Good luck. Kid. Yeah. Good luck Sorry. There, yeah. I know. I'm I'm glad you know it and like it. Um, Bob, what do you think? Bob can afford to buy it. Can I get that for less than five hundred dollars? You can. <laughs> you can. Uh, I think it's so I get, still in I print, get, right? I get, I get one of their slabs. You know, whatever, twenty-one dollars or something. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe a little more with shipping from the UK, but um, I will say this: every single time I hang out with Tracy, it costs me a hundred. <laughs> no. That's yeah, because like you know, Tracy says like, you, you need to, <laughs> she says, "Well, yeah, there's that too." But then she's like, "You should like, buy this, this, and this." And like, I can't remember her missing the target. I'm gonna say like over the last handful of years, she's recommended like 16 things to me, and I think I bought about 13. Like she's 13 for 13. I mean, so <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely grab myself some trash kit. Them. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a good they're a good band. They would be amazing live. Um, oh, have not have not had they, the pleasure. Come to the states? I don't know. You know, shopping just came to the states. In fact, um, they yeah. were here in oh, March. Yeah, I did not. I did not go stupidly. I probably should have, but well, I'm sh- like I'm talking to people that you know, the people that live in like cities like. Richmond, formerly in New York, and now now in Portland, we're like, you just get like a serious volume. I mean, Richmond's like always been an amazing town to live in because like, like fifty percent of what New York does, you know, and out here in Des Moines and Portland gets like nine percent of what New York does, but out here in Des Moines we get about five percent. So, you know what I mean? But, uh, uh oh, Bob, you're breaking up. You're breaking up a little. Are you are you are you bouncing around on the back porch? I think we we may have lost Bob. Um, uh, he did warn us that bad weather was coming. That's true. Um, and he. I will say that label upset the rhythm that a lot of these the trash cat uh, trash kit and I think is sacred pause also. Pretty much anything on Upset the Rhythm, I always make sure I check out because I would say 90% of the time I'm going to love it. They released a lot of John Mouse stuff too, right? And Juju. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I don't know if I know that artist. John Mouse? M- yeah. M-A-U-S? I think that's how you say it. Um, he's, like, I think pretty famous, successful. Um, you know, like... Uh, oh. Composer and uh, pop songwriter. Yeah. Oh yeah! Look at that, John Mouse. I'm looking at this there, now. There you go. Yeah, Although, he's he's quite. Okay, so I'm seeing some mid 2000s. Quite successful. Oh. Huh. Oh, ribbon music. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know this label. I've got some homework to do. And uh, oh, and yeah, they can you hear me now? we can hear you now. Hey, we've missed you. They reissued, um, or actually, maybe it wasn't a reissue. Every word you were saying, I hear your conversation, but like, it's like my situation on this end might be like I'll bump them out, so you guys can fill in the blanks. Um, 
I'm going to play Trouble Funk. Trouble I'm play Funk. Trouble Funk. Going, can, can you hear me? We can, yeah. yeah. I can't wait to know what okay, inspired yeah. this choice. Well, you know, because I'm a Trouble Funk yet. You know, like I've done like um, 117, not really, I guess I've done about 113, just a few, but uh, I've finally got around to Trouble Funk and like, you know, go go music and like, you know, band for me, like being from Richmond, where you moved like, what, 12 years ago? Gosh, 20. Oh, you've been in Richmond for 20 years. That's crazy, right? I know. I know you. Have, I guess you've lived there almost longer than anywhere else in your life. It is true. Uh, I think come this fall, like I think it's safe to say this is my hometown now. And she's got a great little house. And um, but anyways, yeah, Trouble Funk was like their uh, TC, you know, and of course being from the RVA, um, they played our town, and of course, you know, they would be like. One of these go-go bands that would play with the punk bands. Of course, they play with Minor Threat. They, they play with the big boys. Mm-hmm. And um, so anyway, I was going to play a song uh, off their uh, ninth, the title track off their 1983 album, Times of Trouble. It was, the, it was an album on a record label called D-E-T-T Records, period between each letter, D to the period to the E to the period to the E to the period. Tea to the period. It was between their participation in Sugar Hill and then they were on Island Records for three and they're still going strong but these are, you know, funk legends from D.C. and um, this is In Times of Trouble by Trouble Funk. All aboard!
Imagine seeing them with minor threat. Wow. Imagine that. What kind of double bill would that be? A really good one. What a great pick. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like... you know, still going strong, you know. We didn't plan this. It's the official music of... DC, right? Like the the city soundtrack. Go go music. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, go sixties. You know, since the sixties, like you know, that's like that is DC music. I mean, like uh, this, you know, and I think they're kind of the most famous. The most Chuck Brown was part of it. And there's a few other artists, and like to me, it's just like pure DC. And like, so when we think of like DC, we'd always think of like Discord, you know. Right. At least, at least in terms and, of indie rock and punk, yeah. <laughs> yeah, punk. You know, hardcore and punk, and like, um, but you know, because like DC, like, it's a city that I grew up near, and yeah, you know, of course, I went to many shows at the Nine Thirty Club, and kind of the only representation of the go-go scene, go-go scene that would enter the punk rock realm would be Trouble Funk. So, uh, I don't and know I think. Guys. It was like uh, February of this year that DC made it the official music of Washington DC. So oh, cool. a long time coming. That. that is yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. That, that is a cool. Super big deal. Well, we we started the show with like three dance tunes. I mean, after you know, after playing Tracy's stuff, um, we, we're we're playing. <laughs> I'll take you to the chill out room. We we'll, we'll go to the chill out. Okay, room. we we got a dance theme going, and we didn't even plan it. Yeah, but I Saturday know. night. I don't it's do that many podcasts on Saturday night. I've never done a <laughs> podcast with Tracy Wilson. So, like, start yeah. it strong. Yeah. So now yeah. your top hat is on. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah, now, Tracy and Kenny, they can dance. That's a couple that can dance. Uh, <laughs> not, not well, but yes. Willing. What? You know, there's a question between not well and willing. Exactly. You know what I mean? That's Mike and I are Mike and I are part of the unwilling. Not well and willing. That sounds like a great song title and the thing is too the thing is too is like um you know i'm not really sure if like our generation like dance i think we're kind of like the non-dance generation so it's amazing that like you know we we judging by our musical taste we've always wanted to dance but we can't it's like uh i'm a very reluctant dancer i enjoy dancing but um but yeah, it's yeah. You, I've always been a little bit of a self-conscious dancer. Well, let me tell, something let me I need to work on. Question, quick, like, so when you went to like um, dances in middle school and high school and stuff, were you were you out on the dance floor? Or were you were you leaning up against the wall? Uh, it's definitely on the dance floor. Yeah, see, I wasn't. I was I was a wallflower. Oh man, well, that seems impossible. <laughs> Knowing you, I that just doesn't seem plausible. Well, I mean, in, I mean, Mike's the same way. In school, yeah, for sure. But I think once I realized, very timid, very timid. I, I, I realized. So in school, I was I was just way too uptight, you know. And I think way once I uptight. realized I was way too uptight, and nobody gave a shit how I danced. It was so freeing. Uh, it was you so. You didn't just freeing. hear Wham wake me up before you go go and think, yeah, I got to move my feet. What 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 I would hear at my dances, <laughs> no. my high school dances, it was all about white lines. Oh yeah, white lines every dance, mm-hmm. every time, and that would get me out. But you know, I mean, this like you know, forever young and these. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, like these kind of. 
staple songs that I would hear in my high school dances. It was just like, yeah, I'll just hang back here for a bit. But yeah, White Lines Chicago would get Chicago for the slow songs. Right, right, right. It was like half <laughs> slow songs, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then like when dancing became a thing, it was slam dancing. <laughs> and then that was really intimidating. Yeah. You know, like um, even in like um, Maxwell's, well, which we've, talked about on the show tonight like there was a guy that would be at maxwell's that that we called the human chinese star and like <laughs> he was so dangerous right right there's like, when, always that like, guy dancing, like, there was always like a really dangerous guy yeah. that you'd like keep your hands up and make sure that like right. he didn't like wreck your right. face right and i'm i'm maybe I mean, 145 pounds I'm, I'm, and I, you know, I'm a 200 pound. I'm uh, so so. I was always you know? just like, no, no. I, I you know, I, these these 250 pound dudes throwing themselves as hard as they can. You know, like I'm the first one to get hit. <laughs> yeah, the great thing about it is too is like, um, but you want to stay close because you want to be close to the music, but you can't right slam. Like I can do, I can imitate slam dancing. Like you know, I can do it like to make people laugh and like. You know, I have moves, but like I only do them for comedy reasons, you know, and uh, but it is amazing. I think it's like obviously most of the European friends that I have, of course, um, you know, mostly through the pavement crew, particularly Remco, our sound man on pavement, like he's a dance machine. And what about Kenny? Can he Kenny can dance, right? Kenny's like smooth. Uh, Kind of the same as me, like maybe not the most like gene kelly graceful of dancers but it's in him the soul of a dancer is there yeah see but it, is, <laughs> it is an amazing expression like we'd often even joke like about uh, me and my college roommate jeff dukes would always say uh we'd always joke we'd walk into a bar and say like well let's have a good time tonight let's creatively express ourselves through the art form of dance and then we just be, <laughs> be like that's like the least likely thing that's ever gonna happen are you gonna keep us dancing here you're next tracy what do you got all right my turn again your turn i don't have any crazy story it's just a a really great power pop mod revival tune so it's the new hearts with another teenage anthem and oh it just it makes my like my arm hair stand on end it's like the perfect pop song, sort of the, the way that, like, uh, perhaps I think you might potentially be picking one of these songs later. Like, yes, yes. Just uh, the you... way a perfect pop song can unfold and hit you in all the right places. It's really, it's it's flawless to me. In... It's like a, a John Peel perfect song. Right, and you're playing the Peel Session version that they recorded for John Peel. So uh, the 19, is it 77? Yeah, October 3rd, 1977 on the John Peel Show. Yeah. New Hearts. I don't know this one, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm excited for you to hear this. <laughs> Here we go. I, I dare you not party along. <laughs> Yeah. 
What a song. I have such a crush on that song. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> that song. So so tell me about that band. I don't know a ton. They weren't around for very long. They opened up for the jam for a tour. They only did a handful of singles. And then after they broke up, I think Cherry Red or somebody did a compilation of material. I think oh, yeah. The drummer, Cherry Red did for sure. They right? Did like later? Um one of I the most diverse labels of all time, Sherry Red. I mean, they've absolutely. Been, I mean, it's an amazing label, right? They've c- covered so many great genre. Their compilations are always stellar. There's so many good records that they've put out. Um, uh, the drummer from this band, I think, toured with the Clash. Hmm. At, After Top, just huh? like just one tour or something. Um, I think some of these guys. So they were only like. I don't know, 19, like they were kids. It's crazy to think like all of these songs are these flawless pop songs and they're just like fresh out of high school, little guys. Yeah. Um, That's great. The whole like mod revival, who kinks, small faces thing. I mean, obviously like the jam is sort of the, the top of those bands, but there was the prisoners, um, Mm -hmm. Chords, Nine Below Zero. There was like a handful of bands in that scene. I'm not super knowledgeable, but all I know is I am a sucker for a perfect pop song. Me too. And so I hadn't heard that song before until you shared it. And it made me inspired to play this song that I want to play next, which is one of my favorite pop songs, power pop, guitar pop punk pop what i don't know what you call it but just a perfect song i have a handful of them you know like teenage kicks by the undertones yeah. another girl another planet um by the only ones uh mm-hmm. but this one the record starry eyes might be i mean they're a band that all they ever recorded was this song they they I deserve to be in the rock and roll hall of fame you know like <laughs> This is this is such a perfect song. I, I would imagine most people are familiar with it, but it's just so great that if there's anybody listening out here that's hearing it for the first time, I feel like it's just a gift to discover a song as perfect as this one. So, um, whoa, yeah, high praise. Do you know yeah. the song, Bob? That's high praise. Do you know it? Do you know the record, Starry Eyes? 
Well, you know, keep in mind I was resetting my internet signal. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't think it worked. I think I'm on data, which is fine. Um, Sound good. I, I'll yeah. tell you if I've heard it after the song. Okay. But, but no, not off the top of my head do I know it. Okay. Which is like, you know, you, you can call yeah. me out for ignorance all the no, time. No, no, no. I'm fine with it. That's great. Uh, I would love if you've if you've never I'm heard it before so because excited. I would love. <laughs> the time you've heard it. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? 1978 for this one. Um, yeah, the record, Starry Eyes.
every time I hear that song, I have to smile. It's hard for me to listen to that song and not smile. I just, I want a group hug. It's that, <laughs> that good. And, and when I used to DJ, I almost always would play that song. And not because it would necessarily get people to dance or anything, but just because I wanted to hear it, you know? Yeah. Like it's it. one of those songs that, like, no matter how many times I hear it, it's still fresh and exciting, and I'm not tired of it. That's so hard to do with a, a pop song. How many songs can you think of that you're like, oh, my God, I never want to hear that again? Right. But that song, I want to hear right. it again. And the amazing thing to me about it is it's such a, like, musically such a, a bouncy, buoyant, happy song. And lyrically, it's very cynical about the, the music industry and, like, how negative it is. And, you know, the, there's that line, the writ has hit the fans about the lawyer, you know, like, just... It's it's a very cynical song lyrically, but musically, it's just like one of the happiest, catchiest, brightest songs I can think of. So, Bob, have you heard it before? No, definitely not. Wow. Um, yeah, there's think? like, um, well, I enjoyed it, but like, uh, you know, it's one of those things with me, and I've talked about it on the show many times. Like, um, I, part of my musical experience is that if things happened before I had a chance to see them that I just I just didn't pay much attention to them like uh, including the Velvet Underground really um, until I was well into my college years so like and like I mean I like I knew I knew the birds and stuff like that but I, I never listened to Bob Dylan I never listened, listened to the Beatles like until you know kind of I mean I own just the white album like it's just and I've never owned a big star record um, it's just like uh, to me it's like like it's just music that happened before I could have seen it live and like going to see bands was like everything to me and uh-huh. so if I didn't have a chance to see or hear anything live I had this weird rule in my head I don't know where it came from I think it probably came from like the opportunity to see lo- live music and sure, right. sure so it's weird so it's hard for me to, to ever like and of course like you know in the last 10 years or 15 years of my life um post being in a band i think it always helped me like in a lot of ways like to not really know anything that happened because that came out when i was 10 years old i was born in 67 mm-hmm. it's like yeah like 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 something like charlotte leslie like you played before would instantly make more appeal to me than that because um, it's interesting and cultural and then like you know in the even in the 90s i got into old blues music and stuff like that but like that's a whole generation of music, including the new heart song you played that I just kind of like have missed. And like, uh, I've never really felt that badly about it. Um, well, I liked a lot of, I liked a lot of really ugly sounding music and, right. and, um, and in fact, I'll pivot now and I'll play, uh, naked Reagan. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, an album I bought when I was 18 years old, throb, throb on Homestead. I'm going to play two back to back. And like, you know, this is just like more like, and of course I've told you many times, like I saw honor roll play 80 times and they're from Richmond where I grew up. And I saw them when I was, you know, 14, 15 years old. And like, to me, that was like my musical introduction at the same time with like, you know, becoming an REM fan, because um, keep in mind, like if REM had happened 10 years before it did, I might not have been a fan. Sure. So, 
I, yeah. I get it because, you know, back then when you had, you, you had a very finite amount of money, especially since you were a kid, teenager, it was the same with me. You had a finite amount of money. There were all these records that you could buy, many of whom you'd never heard, but you were buying just on the strength of a recommendation or some band you knew mentioned this band. And so when you're choosing between a band that doesn't exist anymore and a band that you could possibly go see live, you're always going to skew yourself towards the band that's that you can possibly see live, you know? So like I even like joy division. Like when I bought unknown pleasures when I was like 15, um, that's a band that had ended, but still like, you know, it existed like, you know, in the early eighties and late seventies. So like that was like something, it was just darker for me. And like, I never, like, I mean, like I love bands like the rain parade that essentially were, has similarities to both of your last two plays, but like I could see the rain parade, you know, like, um, or the dream sure. syndicate. Sure. It's so like those bands, like, um, you know that even the windbreakers we've talked about them on the show like uh bands you could see like um so like yeah if you're gonna like if you're looking at in richmond like we had like three or four like really cool clubs um in the town pb kelly's rockets um going bananas and like if it was on the calendar and like i could go see it then i'd be more likely to buy that and something from 10 years before so like and then, like, uh, you know, unlike you guys, I'm not really a curator. Like, um, I just only really know my own path. So, like, sure. so I'm going to play two songs in a row. They're both short off of Throb Throb, which was released on Homestead in 1985. Band from Chicago. Um, Jeff Pizzotti was a lead man. Like, um, and, and I, I love this record when I was, you know, late high school and early college. In Charlottesville, and I'm going to play Surf Combat and Gear back to back off of uh, Throb Throb by Naked Reagan.
double shot of the naked yeah. radio. Yeah. So did you ever see them, Tracy? I didn't. Um, I was late to Naked Ray Gun, but I was friends with Peg Boy. So yeah. I got to know the Haggerty Brothers through yeah. that and then sort of backed my way. Peg Boy into... was good. Peg Boy was a good band. God, they were they were awesome. And they were so nice and they were always they. on tour. So yeah. They yeah, they, they were, were always on tour. Always on tour. Yeah, and so uh, just through knowing them as, like, actual friends, that's how I was like, oh, I should probably do my homework and see what you your your previous band life was about. So uh, I checked today, and weirdly, I don't have those records anymore. My, like, first serious live-in boyfriend was a huge Naked Ray Gun fan, and he's the only person I've ever combined record collections with. So when we broke up, I did not get those records. And apparently I've never never bought them again. And I no longer will ever merge record collections with a loved one. (laughs) There's like like an inner case with uh, Kenny. Like, do you guys keep your record collections separate? Hell yeah. Because you've been married for now how many years? Together Uh, for how many years? So we've been together for like 11 years, 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. A while, but yeah, we, we are different people with different collections. I don't know, it's like, for me, a record collection is like a photo album. Mm-hmm. It's much more, mm-hmm. it's not about like collecting and owning stuff. It's like a story of my life and people I've met and shows I've gone to and states I've traveled to. And it tells like a very individual story. So to merge it with somebody else just seems weird. I don't know. Kenny no, has fair a enough. closet of clothes that I don't mix mine with. <laughs> So we we separate. Well, we all have that. I mean, like you know, I'm married and I'm married too. Like I don't put, you know, we have we separate the clothing, you know. Um, but anyways, uh, we are individual. Yeah, of course we are. Um, all three of us are. How about you, Mike? Did you ever see Naked Reagan? I never saw Naked Reagan. No, uh, I think I yeah, might have seen Peggy. I saw Peg him at Maxwell's. I yeah, saw him at Maxwell's really? in like uh, 1990. I'm. It was I'm... amazing. Wow. It was, wow. It was amazing because, um, you know, I thought it would be huge. I thought it would be huge because, like, Naked Reagan, you know, Throb Throb was an album I fell in love with. And then, then, like, you know, I was a little disappointed in All Rise. And I loved the Vanilla Blue 7 Inch. And then, like, Jettison, which was on Caroline, like, was okay. But, like, Throb Throb, like, to me is, like, you know, it's a great punk rock record. Like, it's ugly, you know, like, and they were ugly. And, like, so I went and saw him at Maxwell's, and there was only, like, 70 people there. And mm. and they were okay, and they were naked Reagan, but like, I, could, <laughs> I, could, I could tell that they were, like, kind of struggling. I could tell that they were struggling in the late 80s, because, like, one thing about Maxwell's in particular, it becomes so sub-pop-centric. Sure. That, Enter like, me. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so like it become like a weird like this like sub pop worshipping society where like if you were on like any other label unless you were like Yola Tango or the Feelies who are locals or like even you know, of course in your case in the mid 90s with Dahlia Seed like you guys like I think your last show like was a tremendous uh, experience at Maxwell's right yeah it was like at the time one of the like most crowded final shows they'd ever had or whatever but you're right it was definitely like sub pop central 
I mean, it was like, bands to some degree, but really like to some degree. I mean, obviously dinosaur was worshipped there, but like yeah. Um, at the same time, like, and so was you know Jesus Lizard. Although like touching you know, stuff, yeah, they were yeah they but like it was amazing. Like so, like bands like Decreutzen, I saw play for forty people at Maxwell's twice. And but I they saw, might pack CBs like. Those kinds of bands would do really well at CBGBs, but for whatever reason at Maxwell's, like the Flat Duo Jets might sell out Maxwell's, but like a, a Dick Kreutzen kind of band, not so much. Well, no, I think, if, I mean, I saw them at CBs actually the two nights later and like, there's no one there either. And like, <laughs> there was, um, it was amazing. It's like, these were like, and Naked Reagan, you know, was like, what are these ba- like uh, bands that I think kind of got left behind and, and um, and they're still going, and like um, they've been reprised by you know a lot of famous people, including Dave Grohl, and like they've had their opportunities to like open for people and stuff like that. But like when I saw them, they were like um, ostensibly like feverish and like kind of macho. Like it was it was a bit off putting. Whereas like oh. Dee Kreutzen was like um, I think they were I think they I think actually in Naked Reagan's case they wore it on their sleeve. They were really disappointed by the turnout. I mean. Mm. Um, which is something, you know, (laughs) that's a lot, you know, another thing, but D. Kreutzen didn't care. D. Kreutzen would play for 30 people and they'd kill it. I mean, they'd absolutely kill it. I mean, like, yeah, some bands don't handle an empty room well. Right. It's a tough test. So I think I've mentioned it on the show before, um, but Tracy, are you familiar with the McKenzie tapes? No. Since we're talking, since we're talking Maxwell's. Are we talking about the bootlegs? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's the McKenzieTapes dot com slash yeah. slash tapes. It's this guy Dave McKenzie who I yeah. think worked at Maxwell's, and so it's yeah. Uh, over time, they've been putting out performances. I think there's like three Naked Raygun shows up there. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of shows that both of you guys went to. Yep, there was a handful of of tape traders in that world, and John was another person uh keith who was the drummer in positive no was another one and so there are all of these like cbs and maxwell's tapes that uh i i don't have as many as i i wish i i should have saved all of them over the years but um the number of ones i have are are pretty limited but man that's like a treasure trove seriously really cool shows to check out yeah it's like a time machine too all right, Tracy. So you're next. Are we on to the the last round? The na- the last round. What are you What are you going to end us with? Well, so uh, it's kind of like an, another banger. Um, so I wanted to pick another decade, or a different decade from what I've done so far. And this was "Love Is All" from 2004, and the single, well, this particular song is "Make Out," "Fall Out," "Make Up," and they're on "What's Your Rupture." Which yeah, was, take it to Sweden. Take us to Sweden, for God's sake. Right? It's a it's a party. So it's a Swedish indie pop band. Gothenburg. Gothenburg. Definitely liked X-Ray Specs and Huggy Bear. So you've got like the post-Riot Girl. I tormented that lot. I tormented Huggy Bear. You did? For six weeks. I, yeah. How did I... I I have so many questions for you. We, <laughs> yeah, I played we'll talk one, about it after the show. We'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, I played with Huggy Bear once in a basement show, but 
Um, like all those, like I know you guys have already talked about Slamp Records stuff pretty recently, but all of the UK Riot Girl stuff was like I liked it a lot more than the American Riot Girl mm. things, mm-hmm. and so I think Love Is All really appealed to me because it reminded me more of the UK Riot Girl thing than the American side. Um, but just like the energy of this song, it's like darling and angry all at once, which is like just it pushes all the right buttons for me and what's your rupture is like one of my favorite indie rock labels of all time it's like they've hardly ever put out a bad record they've done like all the parquet court stuff and royal headache tyvek uh mm. bodega more recently uh the bed wet and bad boys terrible band name amazing record <laughs> comic game comic game ice age i mean like superstar like kevin has the most immaculate taste in in music so um yeah i i really like that's another label that i like implicitly trust whenever there's a new release i'm gonna want to check it out but for whatever reason this this single is another thing that like i don't dj like indie rock very often but this is like one that i'll slip in because it just is a great end of night kind of drunken, sloppy, feel-good punk anthem. So, uh, I don't know. Rather than talk about it, you should just hear it, because it's so <laughs> good. That's quite the setup. I don't, I've don't. i never heard it before. This will be the first <laughs> yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, you'll love it. You'll love it. Mike. Okay. Man. Right. Thank, thank you, Tracy. Love is all. <laughs>
reverb, reverb, yeah. reverb. That was a good one. I I'd never Very heard powerful. it. Powerful. Never, never heard, heard that. Never I've heard that. Never heard. I know it. that. I know that song. What is it with Swedish bands whose names are sentences with is in? Because <laughs> there's love is all. There's honey is cool. Right. Uh huh. Um, I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> just the I mean, of course, like in Sweden, like I think you know, like just like um, Holland, like they speak English. Like that's a band that's like just, you know could be like an English band. I mean, like right, right. They sound British. I wouldn't have yeah, ever yeah, guessed right? Sweden. Yeah, totally. yeah. I'm sure they're influenced by. I can't believe they've ever been described as lo-fi because like that's not no. lo-fi to me. No, not at all. No, and, like it's, it, it's, it's like more the uh, yeah, like more like a, kind of in like the. Um, power sting of like you know the feedback and everything and like just the loudness of it like i guarantee all the tracks were like hitting the right side of the board i mean like <laughs> yeah they yeah. you know it's just like full on like and like, it transmits some energy i can yeah, definitely no, hear the 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 british riot girl influence the yeah, Ouija like, records yeah like, even there there's a song on their first record that sounds like the clean there's like some slit stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, this, the energy is so fantastic. Uh, and all of the songs that I picked tonight are singles that I have in a box that I call my John Peel record box. <laughs> and there's like a documentary on this, but John Peel had a record box that he filled with his favorite, most like very favorite records. So if there was like an accident or like a fire or flood, he would grab this box, and that would be his like most treasured possession <laughs> saved. So I That's have a, a version of this where if there was a fire, after Kenny and our cats were safe, <laughs> I would I would pull this John Peel record box of my favorite records out, and these these three singles are all in that box. So how many are in there? Like how big is it? Can you carry Gosh. it out of a fire? Oh, yeah, it's quite small, really. It's like a, a little tackle box, almost. So it maybe carries, I don't know, 50 singles at very most. Are they all? Seven inches. It's all seven inches, yep. huh? It's all seven inches, yeah. My, yeah, my seven, LPs because seven inches rule. are so seven screwed in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all screwed in the fire, but like... Yeah, I don't, I don't know what I would grab, aside from, from Wit and Mr. Ghost in that order. But like, right? uh, if I was throwing things out the window... Who knows? I'm sure I'd I'm sure I'd miss some gems. Yeah, <laughs> no no record collector wants to think about that, but But I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great game plan that you have. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know that like I uh, know her neighborhood and like uh one great thing about Tracy is like she's updated me like and you know almost on a daily basis on what's going on in her in her neighborhood. And there's a lot of chaos going on over there. So there really she, is. Yeah. She lives in a very so quiet neighborhood by, by by Maymont Park, so like and of course, you know, like I'd love to be your neighbor, but like we'll get we'll get around to that at some point, Mike. But like, anyways, uh, I think it's your play, Mike. It is my play. Uh, how do you guys feel about Scritty Politi? Nothing so, bad to say about Scritty Politi. That is basically like my grade school to high school bedroom scenario. Okay. So like, it makes me feel like big teenage feelings. It's like and me a and like uh, New Order, like me and like kind of. Oh, well, in my case, um, orchestral maneuvers in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the thing for me with Scritti Politi is how diverse they were. 
you know, they started out as this kind of edgy, angular, weird, and that's what I'm going to play. I mean, I can play well, so were, two or so three. Were modern, oh, English. So modern English were weird. Yeah, modern for English sure. Weird. But, I was wondering if but, you were going to do like the Marxist philosophy, scritty bloody, or the I just discovered like the Jacksons and Chic. Right, and right. Early or, hip-hop. Or I, or, or I did a collaboration with Most Deaf, or I did a collabor- <laughs> collaboration with Miles Davis. I mean, name any other, like, art rock, new wave band that has been so diverse. I mean, they, they, they did something with Giorgio Moroder. You know, they did, they did, like, reggae stuff. They were all over the map. And we say they, but it's really just it's Green Grant, Gartside. Green, yeah, Green, whatever, green right? Gartside, pretty much. I mean, he's the that's founding it. member. He's the one that kind of runs. He's, I guess... That's like the Tracy Wilson of, you know... <laughs> positive like, no and die. I, I was going to say the Marky Smith, but... so boring. Green Gartside. Green Gartside. That is, that is yeah, a great is, name. It is, yeah. He didn't make that up. Yeah. Nope, that's a great name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go early. I mean, I don't know. I mean, okay. it, 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 you know, I could I'm, I can take requests after this too if you want to hear another one. But um, <laughs> it, I'm gonna play something from their early era. Uh, Is and ought the Western world? Mm. You know this one, right? Bob, you know this. Um, well, I'll tell you. I I, th- I think you might. You know, I just love I, like yeah. it. It it's just. There's something about this song. It sounds like it's falling apart at any point, but it's all held together, and it just feels unlike kind of anything else that was going on at the time. Yeah, it's gritty politi. In and out the Western world Presented with a threat It's very nice and yet
miss more be shut Thursday night the hundred club There are no ifs and buts Like, I dare you to dance to that one. Um. <laughs> it's, like, impossible to fathom how they went from that to would-be's or, you know, yeah, any or, of their later. It's or, like, or, or the perfect way. I mean, I remember right? the first thing I heard of them was the perfect way, which was just this, like, super, super, like, I don't know. It's catchy, and it's a really good pop song, but it was, like, this really... MTV made for MTV new wave pop song. Like no, I, it's way before that though, isn't it? You know, like, uh, that's, like, like that's leads, isn't it? R and B. That song was, but the perfect way was um, eighty five. What year was yeah, that? But like back when they started, they were in there with like the Human League being sure. weird and Gang of Four. Sure. Right, they right. were lead. Leeds is sure. like one of the greatest rock cities in the history of the world. I mean, like... Absolutely. That that, that was that know, song Gang was from their first... Gone, so right. Like, you know... Right. Two, three, The Flowers, like Mutant Pop, and somehow they... I don't even know, like... I mean, Green, I, maybe, maybe that scene, maybe Fast Records didn't like that guy. I mean, like, who knows? Like... Yeah. I don't know. I don't know anything about him personally, but then, like... Like like as you mentioned before the song, he changed course like so many so many times. So many times. It, I mean, it's kind of inspiring to know that it's like, yeah, I can do this one thing, but it, it doesn't have to be that forever. Like, right. In theory, like Bob, you could put out like a free jazz record, and maybe <laughs> it will work for you. You just it gives me hope that anything is possible. He constantly, <laughs> constantly reinvented himself. I mean, yeah. To, to listen to that song and then imagine him collaborating with Miles Davis and then later collaborating with Most Def, it just, it's... Yeah, I mean, like, awesome. he got around. I think yeah. it's a great idea. Like, I think, like, you know, somebody who's, like, you know, kind of like a musical genius, like, should venture out. And, right. And um, the few I've known in my life, like, they've kind of stayed the course. So, like, um, it's weird. Like, if I, if I was, I don't know, I'd like to think that, like... I would have worked with other people if I could write songs, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, I collaborated with some people here and there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, but, like, you know, they always guided me. Like, even if we think about, like, the Go To Beds record that you and I are both on, like, you know, you were a huge part of the Go To Beds song, so I just, like, went down to my laundry room and, like, made a bunch of noise, <laughs> you know, they're both valuable roles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, you, I wrote the lighter notes. But I like, must uh, say, you wrote one hell of a one sheet. That's 
that's a whole lot of something too. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Tracy. But like, <laughs> anyways, like, I'm gonna go to like I'm gonna go to like a time when I was like 19 years old. Like I mentioned before, like nervously buying records and like at the time, like Creation Records was a big deal. Sure. Okay. And so I was like, I'm gonna take a shot on this thing. And like I'd heard of their um, their heavily praised seven inch um, almost prayed by a band called the Weather Prophets, and I bought their 12 inch record at Plan 9 in Richmond, and uh, the song, like, um, this is one of these bands that, like, never really kind of amounted to much, but I I could never really understand why. I'm going to play the Weather Prophets. They're from London. They were in creation in the uh, mid-'80s, and, um, well, well, Peter Astor, it was their main guy. Hey, Bob, uh, you're not going to believe this, but I didn't know anything really about this band at all. And it's a pretty pop song. It's a pretty pop song. It's a, yeah, it's a beautiful song. And I remember like, um, and they actually actually will um, the lyrics on it are going to be um, are going to fit into the theme of like uh, this particular podcast of my lack of knowledge of all the the legendary songs that you played. No, but check this out. <laughs> so so Bob Schick from Honor Roll, Plan Nine, Bob Schick, who you very well could have bought this record from. Yeah. He was selling a bunch of his records from his collection when I first moved to town, and I bought this record from him, as well as The Loft and like a bunch of other creation things, some Spaceman 3. So oh. I, I own this record, and the only reason I do is because of Bob Schick. <laughs> yeah, I have God bless Bob Schick. What a great guy. Bob what Schick. a weird, like, Richmond, Virginia representing creation. I love it. Bob Schick. Yeah. Uh, on a weather, roll, the, the weather prophets. He's yeah, he's the fourth host, the 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 secret fourth host tonight. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> that makes me yeah. so happy. Well, he's one of our heroes. One yeah. of me and Tracy's biggest heroes. Yeah, so. for sure. Absolutely. And, uh, this is uh, the weather prophets. Naked is the day you were born. It was a, a single, 1986. <laughs> Things carry on with me. 
reverb yeah i thought it was like kind of like a creation like in the post-season mary chain era mm-hmm. for sure yeah and, and and still very catchy and poppy 
the kind of like the with, Londonizing of like creation with a groove to it. Yeah, yeah, I like so that. Negative. That, was Alan McGee in this band for a little bit? He's the one that All started right. the label, right? Well, I think he was in this band for like two recordings or something, or two songs, but then left to manage and obviously do a label. But I think he actually played in this band for a little bit. Could, Could be. have been, yeah. I they're a band I'm not familiar with. They're the Weather Prophets. Yeah, I I um. Was I that mean, your Bob, first Bob. listen? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. They're they're you know like in the late '80s. Uh, you know, I was listening to more like American Indian punk. You know, it was more REM and the Minutemen and the Ramones and stuff like that. And and I guess the the British stuff I was listening to was like earlier, like the Clash, Sex Pistols. So I the the um I guess what it would be called shoegaze sort of stuff too. I never really, for whatever reason, I just never really got into. But like Jesus and Mary Chain, like you must listen to them, right? A, a little bit, but not much. Um, not a whole lot of Spaceman Three either, until much later. You know, like not at the time. Like that was. Oh, we were well into them. I was never. I was not really the kind of guy that was buying a lot of imports. Did you ever see Spaceman Three? No. I, I saw them once in Edinburgh. They were fantastic. No, no I never did. And I, um, and I toured with that um, Pete Kember. Yeah? Yeah, I, t- I played about seven or eight shows with him in, in England. And he would have these like uh, classical musicians up there with him. And he'd be like, uh, he'd show up late. And uh, he liked me because like at the time I, w- I was smoking. And like he he could always get a cigarette from me. And like he'd <laughs> waltz around in his moccasins and like... <laughs> He'd walk off the stage in the middle of the set, and I'd be backstage, like you know, and and I, you know, and he'd at least be happy to see me because he knew I had a, a crushed viceroy for him, you know. <laughs> then like, he'd he'd smoke half a cigarette and go back up there, that kind of thing. But I saw him play in Edinburgh one time. They had like an amazing merch table, um, Spaceman Three. It was a great little club, and they were sick. I mean, they were great. I mean, <laughs> wow, it was it was full on. But, I but anyways. Um... So, so r- real quick, that Al, I'm looking it up right now. I didn't realize. You know who produced that record? No. Lenny K. Yeah, really? Lenny K. Mr. Lenny K. from from the Patty Smith Group. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, similar to you, Bob. You know how you were just like, I don't want to buy any music from bands that I can't see live. I think, and I don't even think it was that conscious. I think it was more just resource. Uh, strapped decision making on my yeah, part. Yeah, like you were a left coaster. I was a like, left you know, coaster, and I was not going to see these bands. Coasters. And and if I would see their records, they were always as imports, and they cost twice as much as the domestic stuff. And so I consciously made a decision: I could buy one album from this band that I don't really know, or I could buy two right, right. albums. You know, and so. That's I think that's why that was just never really on my radar. That's why I didn't find the the fall until later. That's why I didn't find like even Joy Division until later. A lot of this stuff just was not part of my teenage years. Yeah, I mean like that makes um, perfect sense. Anyways, like uh, this is the end of episode one nineteen, and like one thing I'm really happy about tonight is that Mike and Tracy, like uh, I look forward to you guys like uh, being friends in person someday. But, like, <laughs> 
It's a proper internet. internet <laughs> Me too. Internet. I, I yeah. just look yeah. forward to, to being friends in person. Yeah, yeah. You know, with anyone Cheers. these days, right? Cheers to that, yeah. Yeah, I'll see, uh, I, I see Tracy you know, every year when I go home for the holiday season at least once a year. And, like, uh, and like hopefully we don't even know what the holiday season is going to be like this year. Like, Westminster, Canterbury, my mother, like, she's she can't leave, you know. And, right. And, uh, that, that kind of thing. So we'll see what happens. And um, Well, all I know is it's not the holiday season unless I see you. So we're not having Christmas unless you're in town. <laughs> okay, good. I love you. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's the rules in our household. It's not Christmas yeah. unless Bob is here. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. That's I love a good you. rule. I think, I think one of the, my favorite things about music and that I never get tired of it is like all of us are seasoned music fanatics. And yet we're all still discovering things every day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. every time you do a show, there's something new that I didn't know. And I'm sure you're always discovering new things, too. Like, it's like a, a bottomless well of of things to be inspired and excited about. And it's like in a really pretty terrible world, that's a really nice change of pace. Yeah. So thanks for that. That is a beautiful yeah. thought you, and a beautiful way to end the show, Tracy. Thank you so much. An Thank absolute pleasure. Thank you guys pleasure. for having me. Yeah. TK Dubs. TK Dubs. <laughs> you guys are the best. I really appreciate T- this whole night. TK Thank Dubs you. and Be Nasty. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I don't think all of us have had like a, a fun Saturday probably in a while. So thanks for making a re- really, truly memorable Saturday for me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Love you both. Stay Good night, safe, everyone. Love you guys. Thank you. All right, talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye.